The New York Giants make a big trade. We're going to talk about the trade. We're going to talk about the cap situation. And we're going to hear from your boy Q, who's going to tell us a little bit about the player the Giants traded for. All that and more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. Welcome to Hump Day, Wednesday. And welcome, by the way, depending on when you are listening to this, what time of day you're listening to it, to the start of the 2023 NFL League year. That's right. Today is the official start of free agency, which means the last couple of days, all the trades and free agent agreements and whatnot. That was all the run-up to what will probably be an anticlimactic Wednesday because we already know certain guys, where they're going and whatnot. But still, it's been an exciting week so far. The New York Giants making moves, trying to get better and better. And um, yesterday was no exception. General Manager Joe Shane with a big-time trade that we're going to talk about. The Giants trading for Raiders tight end Darren Waller. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the benefits. We're going to talk about the cost. We're going to talk about the risk. We're going to talk about the cap, all that great stuff on today's show. Then we're going to hear from our good friend, your boy Q, who is the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. He's going to tell us everything we need to know about Darren Waller. Just give us a little background, a little scouting report, if you will. So that's coming up on the podcast. And then if we have time at the end of the show, I'll answer a few listener questions because I haven't really done that in a few days. So I think some of them are backing up and I want to get them to get to those for you. So let's jump right in and start talking about this Darren Waller trade. Now I like this trade. Um, The reason why I like this trade is because thus far, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit here, Joe Shane, prior to the start of all this, you know, negotiating and acquiring free agents and whatnot, pretty much outlined what I think he was, what he was hoping to do. And he talked about addressing the run defense, which was a problem last year. He talked about building around Daniel Jones, which was another problem last year. The giants, you know, didn't really have explosive talent. You know, the, the extent that the talent they had was really Saquon Barkley and they'd get occasional contributions for, from, you know, some other guys, but really not on a consistent basis. So in adding Darren Waller, um, they add a guy who is capable of the big play, which, by the way, is a statistic that the Giants ranked dead last in last year. So by big play, we're talking big pass play, which is typically defined as 20 plus yards. So I'm going to give you some numbers on Darren Waller's production in terms of big pass plays. Dating back to 2019, he had 14 big pass plays. 2020, 16. 2021, 13. That coming in 11 games. And in 2022, he only played in nine games, so he only had nine big pass plays. So Darren Waller is a guy who can go up the seam. He can snag a ball and he can take it to the house. And that's something the Giants really were missing 
last year. And I think, you know, at the end of last year, if you were looking at the Giants' needs objectively, you probably would have agreed that, yes, in addition to Daniel Bellinger, who has play potential, they probably needed to add more at tight end. Now, what I found to be interesting is that a lot of people, myself included, thought that if the Giants were going to make a trade, they were going to maybe look to trade for a wide receiver, a big-time wide receiver who could stretch the field. Because, you know, the feeling is, is that the tight end class is pretty deep. Now, you could probably say that the addition of Waller, who, by the way, still needs to pass a physical for the trade to be official, you could probably say that tight end now no longer becomes a need for the Giants in the draft. And that now they can maybe focus on receiver. But I thought if the Giants were going to make a trade, it would be for a receiver, you know, but this just goes to show you, you know, everybody's been talking about how thin the free agent market is at receiver, how there's really no, you know, blue chippers in there. And, you know, if the Giants or any team looking for a good receiver, you know, wanted one, they would have had to have maybe made a trade for one. So that just wasn't happening. You know, DeAndre Hopkins was the guy mentioned um, the Cardinals let, or allegedly want um, a second round pick, at least a second and a fifth, which I don't think the Giants were going to be willing to pay. So now with tight end address, the Giants can use the draft to add at that position. The Giants have Sterling Shepard under contract. Now Shepard, of course, is coming off of the ACL tear and he may or may not be ready for camp. We'll have to see where he's at with that. They have Isaiah Hodgins back under contract. Wandale Robinson is under contract. He's coming off of an ACL tear as well. The Giants are going to still add at that receiver position. And I expect them actually to add maybe another veteran, maybe in the second wave, third wave of free agency, depending on, you know, what they have in terms of money. But let's get back to, to Waller for a moment here. So the Giants to acquire Waller, who has been injured. I think he's missed 14 games over the last two seasons. The Giants sent the Raiders the second of their third round picks. They have two third round picks and they sent them the second one, pick number 100 overall, which is the pick they acquired in the Kadarius Tony trade. So that's the pick from Kansas City. The Giants send that to the Raiders for Darren Waller. All right. Now, um, that to me is really good value because this is a low, uh, a low risk, high reward type of proposition. All right, um, you're talking about Waller's contract, and let's let's discuss that for a minute because I'm sure this played into into the, the decision to trade for him. So Darren Waller, I believe last year signed a new contract with the Raiders. And um, yeah, it was 2022. He signed an extension and I believe, uh, let me see. So for 2023, Darren Waller has a base salary of $11 million of which 8.25 million is guaranteed. And he also has up to 1.275 million in per game roster bonuses. So that per game roster bonus is if he plays all 17 games he will collect that full 1.275 million. So really for the Giants, the investment financially is at minimum 8.25 million plus a workout bonus of 200,000 if if he if uh, Waller collects that. So 
the reason why I mention that is that if the Giants, for whatever reason, Waller doesn't make it out of camp, he gets injured again, they cut him because things don't work out or whatever, they're only on the hook for $8.25 million, plus probably the 200000 workout bonus, assuming that Waller collects it. After 2023, Waller has no guaranteed money left in his contract. So he's got base salaries of 10.5, 11.5, and 13.5, plus that same annual per game roster bonus of 1.275 if he plays in all 17 games. So it's really a one-year investment in Waller, who is going to be 31 this year if he hasn't turned 31 already. So not a bad financial hit for the Giants because if Waller comes in and he balls out, the Giants have him on, on, you know, under contract through 2026, and they can cut him at any time with 100% cap savings, all right? Because remember, the uh, prorated signing bonus that he might have gotten, whatever prorated signing bonus he got, that now hits the Raiders cap. It does not hit the Giants cap. So assuming that the Giants don't touch Waller's contract, they're going to get 100% back of their investment of, under the P5 base salary if, for whatever reason, Waller does not stick on the roster. So, again, it's a low-cost investment by the Giants, low-risk, high-reward. What is not to like about this? I mean, I can't think of anything. And, you know, some people will say, well, the injury factor. Well, you know what? If Waller misses time because of injuries, the Giants get a cap credit. So you take that 1.275 per game roster bonus total divided by 17. That's the cap credit the Giants will get towards next year's cap. So really not a bad deal for the Giants who get another skyscraper type of receiver for Daniel Jones to target and a guy capable of making plays deep down the field. Now, before we take a break and we get to your boy Q, who is going to tell us more about Darren Waller, I do want to take, um, I want to backtrack a little bit and I want to just comment a little bit on the job that Joe Shane has done so far. After two days of activity, Joe Shane has addressed the two most glaring needs on this team. The run defense, which last year, I don't have to tell you, was, was an adventure and the deep play threat. So I really like what Shane is doing. He's not going crazy with spending. You know, I know a lot of people are like, you know, do something, you know, they, a lot of people were getting a little, I think, anxious waiting for him to do something. The fact that things aren't rushing through and that they're taking time to do due diligence. Because if you notice the last couple of days, a lot of the, the transactions the Giants have set up that become official today, once the new league year starts, a lot of those have happened like in the afternoon. They're not, you know, a whole lot of early morning stuff other than, you know, the Giants resigning some of their own people. So I really like what Shane is doing. And I want to talk real quick about the cap situation because I do get this question a lot. I still am getting it. People after every signing or trade or whatever say, what's the Giants cap situation? Folks, my advice is not to worry about it because it is fluid this time of year. As deals are recorded and approved by the NFLPA, the cap number is going to fluctuate. And here's the other thing. 
now that we are starting the official league year today, March 15th, Kenny Galladay's release will become official. All right. So if he is a pre-June or standard cut, the Giants will add another $6.7 million to their available cap space. If Kenny Galladay is a post-June 1st transaction, that swells up to $13.5 million. I think Galladay is probably going to be a pre-June 1st cut or a standard cut. So the Giants will get $6.7 million in terms of salary cap space that they can use right now. Whereas if they have to wait uh, for the, if they go for the post-June 1st cut, they'll have to wait until after June 1st to have that money available. Now, what this also does is I keep saying that the Giants, I think the Giants are going to um, redo or not redo, but extend Leonard Williams. And one would have thought at the start of, you know, this whole process that that would have been a priority to get that done right away. So the Giants do Kenny Galladay as a pre-June 1st or standard cut. They now have some time with Leonard Williams. They don't have to rush to get it done before the start of free agency today. So better not to rush into these things. Make sure that everything is right. Remember, Leonard Williams is coming off of um, injuries from last year. He had um, the neck injury. He had a knee injury. So you want to make sure that Leonard Williams is in good shape, that he's healed, that he's good to go. You don't want to rush into, you know, doing anything with that contract only to find out that God forbid he's not going to be ready to go. And now you're stuck with a new contract that maybe has some guaranteed money. So I do think they'll probably wait a little bit on Leonard Williams. I would be surprised if they do something right away. I know the two sides have had conversations, but uh, the the priority right now, I think has got to be Kenny Galladay. And I do think Kenny Galladay is going to be a pre-June or standard cut at which point the giants will take six, 6.7 million um, for, for that. So that's where the giant salary cap situation stands right now. Again, I don't have the exact number as to how much space they actually have. And I would caution you to just not worry about it right now because they can always get more money if they need to. And they will. And I don't think Joe Shane is going to go right out as he gets this extra money and spend it like crazy. I think you're going to see a lot of um, affordable, reasonable deals especially as he continues to maybe re-sign some of the guys from last year that they want to have. So that's the the status with the Giants' salary cap. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, your boy Q from Locked On Raiders is going to join me, and we're going to talk more about Darren Waller. We're going to find out what he brings to the table besides big play ability. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans, we know that the NFL season is over and that we're in the midst of roster rebuilding season. The draft's coming up, free agency's going on right now. But you know what? There's still lots of sports action going on. NBA is in full swing. The NHL is in full swing. And now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook app, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 if their first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to the spread and much more. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout 
with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey, Giant fans, thanks so much for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, the Locked on NFL Draft podcast. My guys, Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez provide in-depth coverage of the NFL's biggest draft prospects with deep dives into the sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite franchise. Find Locked on NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trainer, and I am joined by your boy Q, the very handsome you, your boy <laughs> Q, who is host of Locked On Raiders. And he is here to tell us a little bit about Darren Waller, the new tight end the Giants traded for. Q, thank you so much for joining me on tonight's show. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's always good to catch up with you. And boy, oh boy, Darren Waller to the Giants, right? I didn't think that was going to be on my bingo card for the day, but here we are. So uh, let's talk about it. Should be some good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think it was going to be on my bingo card either. I was thinking (laughs) a receiver, but you know what? Darren Waller, a very good receiver, but let's back up a little bit here, Q. Why do you think the Raiders parted with this guy? You know, that's a great question. They just gave him a contract extension last year, right? But he wasn't available for all the years. So there was some rumblings that we heard throughout the course of the season that the new staff with uh, Josh McDaniels and company wasn't 100% happy with them because, well, they wanted him out there playing. So they, you know, they were getting frustrated and frustrated. And then, of course, they, uh, you know, they go and see him and, uh, you know, Kelsey Plum, his now uh, wife, you know, he's, they see him at celebrations when the Aces win the championships and not necessarily, you know, at the facility as much as they'd like. And so you heard rumblings. Now, I never heard anything from the actual staff that that had a lot to do with it, but you just kind of heard the rumblings and you've been around the game long enough where you know where eventually if there's enough smoke, there's a little bit of fire. So I think that everything just kind of, you know, weighed into this factor. And I just really feel like that they thought that Waller was going to be major as far as this new offense goes, led by Derek Carr with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. It all looked great on paper. Waller was out for a lot of the season. Renfro was out a lot for the season. You see Derek Carr is now in New Orleans. So I think that they just said, hey, you know what? We gave it a shot. We gave these guys the money. And, well, it didn't work out. So now we're going to move on and we're going to bring in our own guys. So I think that this is a benefit for the Giants. They get a hell of a player. I mean, the guy is very athletic. He's a big-time playmaker. Just didn't work out in Las Vegas with him. Let's break down his strengths a little bit more. Where does he really excel? Of course, you know, I I took a look and obviously big play – pass uh, catches is is an area, but where else in his game is he really excel? It's just really yards after the catch. I mean, because he's such an athletic dude, right? As soon as he catches the ball, he's going downhill and he's coming at you. And he's just like, as you mentioned, really a wide receiver in a tight end's body. And so he's able to do great things with the ball in his hands. And so that's the thing about it. He makes himself very available for the quarterback. That's the other beautiful thing. Uh, It might not necessarily always be the exact route, but he'll make himself available and he'll he'll make a, a nice target for the quarterback to deliver the ball to him. And so uh, he's a guy that can catch a lot of passes in volume. So if it's a day where, hey, Darren Waller's open all day, just keep feeding him. You know, there's a time when uh, the Raiders targeted him like 20 times in a game and he was able to come through and carry that heavy workload. So it's not like one of those situations where there's too much too many balls being thrown his way. He'll eat them up, eat them up, eat them up if, as long as they're coming his way. So uh, the thing about Darren, I mean, he could do anything. 
with the ball in his hands, right? And, and like I said, it, it's a lot of times it's a business decision for uh, defenders to have to uh, bring him down because he's just so big, fast, and strong. It's not very easy. So that I would just say his athleticism and his yards after the catch is something that he does really well. Where did he excel most working from? In line, in the slot, out wide? Where, where was his best, you know, starting spot? Yeah, he was really in line. I mean, he would line up in the slot every once in a while, but he was really an in line guy. And that's where he probably got into a little bit of trouble with the Raiders as well as the fact that he's not the best blocker. So, I mean, you knew that he wasn't going to block very long, right? If he was in inside, he wasn't going to be blocking too much. But I mean, he did work on that. It was something that in training camp, he would always spend extra time to the side trying to get better at the blocking side of things. But again, he's a wide receiver by nature. And so he's just not the best blocker, but he usually lined up inside and then broke out. And again, he made himself available so quick gave a big target to the quarterback that was something that I could always appreciate and you know I didn't think that the Raiders used him enough in the red zone I thought that that was one of the areas that they struggled to to really utilize his size and the way that he could be a mismatch nightmare and I don't never know why I never knew why the, the reason why they didn't target him so much in the red zone but I feel like with his size and his ability to go up and get the ball similar to a rebound that they would have used him more in the red zone. So I'm assuming that the G-Man and Brian Dayball and company will figure out how to use him uh, down by the goal line a little bit better than the Raiders did. Now, the Giants haven't really had a good tight end who could navigate the seam in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, how is he with that? How is he with finding the soft spots in the coverage? He's good at that. He really is. The seam is his friend, right? I mean, he'll get right down the seam and, you know, he's not afraid to take the big hit either because sometimes those seam passes, you know, is kind of setting the, the receiver up when they, they're looking back for the ball and then they're, they're, they're watching it into their hands. Then they turn around. Sometimes there's a big buyout coming. You know, there's a big hit. He doesn't mind taking those hits. And most of the time, his hands are very sure where he's going to hold on to the rock. There's been a few times where he put a ball on the ground, a couple little concentration drops here and there. But for the most part, I mean, that guy, uh, he was a hell of a weapon, right? And again, he's just such an athlete that he could start on the inside, then all of a sudden break the route out and go to the outside and uh, have the athletic ability to run away from a defender. So uh, I think that he really excels in many different roles, but the seam, he's really good at, at that and making himself, like I said, open target and not afraid to take a hit either. You mentioned that he's not a very good blocker. And ob yeah. obviously, other than that and, and the fact that he's had injuries, is there anything else in his game that, you know, maybe sh we should be worried about? Um, I, like I said, I think just the occasional uh, drops, you know, the occasional concentration drops. But I think that that happens with everybody, especially if you don't get them into a rhythm early in the game. And this last season, especially with Devontae Adams being in the mix now, I feel like that the Raiders didn't target him as early and often as, as they usually did uh, in previous seasons. So I think that that kind of took away from his always being engaged. And you know how it is when you're a playmaker, you want to get engaged early in the game and you want to stay often. And so I feel like the Raiders were always working on a middle even trying to get Devontae involved get Darren involved Hunter involved and then again they didn't play together a whole lot either so I mean it was a lot of stop and start when it came to Darren his hamstrings became uh, injuries back in training camp uh, flared up again during uh, during the season and really going back even a, a year ago when the, the Raiders played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving he hurt himself he hurt his knee and he's just kind of been banged up ever since then uh, quite a bit so that would be probably my biggest concern is just as long as he can stay healthy but I do think that the Giants got a good one I think he's going to excel really well in New York how is he as a locker room guy 
he's he's good. He supports his teammates really well. Uh, he was always good to a good conversation after the game in the locker room. We'd go talk to him and, you know, he's not real uh, lengthy when it comes to his answers. But I mean, he gives you what you need. And I feel like he was always loved by the, the, the players in, in the locker room. So uh, I saw Josh Jacobs put out a tweet saying, yeah, all love for D wall or whatever. You know, some other players like a Jermaine Illuminor offensive lineman was like, hey, what's going on? You know, Darren Waller. So uh, I think that he was he was a, a pretty good dude in the locker room and the you know the only thing about about Darren is is that because of everything that's going on with him you know off the field and all the you know the substance abuse that he had and how he's overcome that and it's been incredible you know what he's done his journey has been fantastic I think his story off the field is even better than his story on the field I salute him for everything that he's been able to do he also has and he'll make it very clear to you when you get to talk to him in the locker room that he has to get a, a, a time to himself where he goes and either meditates or work on his music or just gets away from the game of football just to get his head right, right? Just because, again, he's been in places that have been really dark. So a lot of times you'll hear guys say, oh, I just want a guy that's so dedicated to football, football, football. It's nothing but football. Darren's a guy that has many different interests. He's very talented dude, uh, but he's staying true to himself as well. Like he will say, I need to have this time to myself. Even when he was injured uh, with the Raiders, he said, if I didn't have this time to go and you know meditate or spend time on music or do this other stuff that's not football related, I might be in a really bad place. So he has something that he has to stick with just because of his prior uh, issues that he's had off the field. And I salute that 100%. And that's, that's just who he is. So uh, the one thing I could really respect about Darren is he's, he's definitely true to himself. Yeah, he did have quite the story. I was reading up on, yeah. on you know, what he overcame and that that was definitely an inspirational yeah. story. How much do you think he has left in the tank? He's on the wrong side of 30. You know, right. he's had the injuries the last couple of years. What does he have left to give in, in his tank? You know, I think he's got a couple of good years. I really do. You know, when the Raiders gave him that contract extension, you know, it was about a three year little window that they had. And it, it kind of aligned with all the rest of the contracts that they had given out to Devontae Adams and Carr and Renfro. And I thought, OK, that's really the sweet spot for this team and their expectations. But I think Waller has uh, probably a couple of good seasons in him. Uh, he gets into camp 100 percent healthy. That's really what they need to do is make sure that he's he stays healthy. Uh, but he 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 can go. I mean, he he's one of those guys. The thing about it is with all the issues he's had off the field, he doesn't have the normal wear and tear on his body as your typical 30 plus guy, right? I mean, he's, he hasn't been uh, in the game as much because he's been suspended. Now he's got other wear and tear on his body, but not necessarily from football hits and football injuries. So I do believe that the G men will get a good, probably two seasons out of him. And I do expect him, especially in Brian, Brian Dayball system with a healthy Saquon Barkley and, you know, Daniel Jones coming off a really good season. I do think that they'll really uh, start clicking early and often with Waller. And really, if he's a big time feature as well, I think you'll see a big season from Darren. And then finally, you look at the value that the Giants gave up, you know, the third yeah. round pick, pick number 100, the pick they got from the Chiefs in the, in the uh, Kadarius Tony trade, your division rivals, by the way, yeah. so that kind yeah, of weakens right. them a little bit. But um, you look at the value and, and you know, the, the Raiders willingness to eat his signing bonus and whatnot. Overall, how would you assess the value, what the Giants gave up and what they're getting in return? You know, I was actually surprised that the Raiders got a third round pick just because the draft is really deep when it comes to the tight end position. But I do realize uh, a season ago, you know, there was teams that were offering a second round pick for Waller and the Raiders decided not to take that that uh, that that pick. And they said that we're going to roll the dice with Waller. I heard rumors and reports that he was supposed to be traded before the trade deadline last season and it never materialized. So I think the Raiders took a little bit of a hit on the value based off what they were supposed to get last season, or at least what the reports are. But still, a third 
third round pick, you can't complain too much. You're getting a top 100 pick for a guy that clearly wasn't in, you know, wasn't in 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 your plans moving forward. So if you're able to get something for him, I think that that was uh, that wasn't too bad, especially with this team and the way that they're trying to build through the draft. That gives them 12 total draft picks right now. So uh, that's a lot of draft capital to go into the end of April and try to navigate, you know, up and down the draft board because you know very well that you don't need 12 draft picks uh, coming out of the draft. You're not going to sign all those guys. So I think it gives the Raiders more flexibility and more of an opportunity to just kind of, you know, do what they want. If they want to move up the board, they can. If they want to move back the board, they can. If they see someone they want to target, they can do that. So I think that's going to help the overall product. So a third round pick isn't too bad as far as I'm concerned. And of course, Darren Waller gets a fresh start in New York with a coaching staff that is known for for being good teachers, a coaching staff that puts the players first. I mean, really a good environment for him to land, I would think. I, I do too, you know, and, and again, Darren Waller is a great dude. Uh, gonna obviously miss seeing him around Vegas and seeing him around the the locker room and the team because again, uh, everyone loves him from the fans to the players, you know, to obviously us in the media that get to cover him. Man, I mean, just he's a he's a good spirited guy, and and his story is so awesome. He's inspired guys like Max Crosby to also get sober. He's expired, you know, he's he's fired up other guys. Uh, even fans call into the radio show sometimes. And say, hey, I'm sober now because Darren Waller's sober. So I mean, it's just like I said, the things he does off the field for the community as well. I know he's gonna embrace new. York and really my biggest question is his wife plays for the aces and the aces are the defending champions well New York is loaded up as well so I'm wondering is Kelsey Plum at some point gonna request a trade to the New York Liberty and see if they start playing there because now he's going to New York so um we want to keep her here in in Las Vegas because they got something good going with the aces so I wonder how that dynamic's gonna work Darren in in uh, New York and uh, Kelsey here in Las Vegas with the aces I'm sure they'll cover. I'm sure they'll figure. It out. <laughs> they'll figure it out somehow. <laughs> I mean, if that's, if, if, I'm sure they'll work it out. I was going to say, they, if you're determined, you'll figure out a way to be yep. together. I'm sure. You fantastic stuff. I want to thank you for coming on and giving us some insight into Darren Waller. An exciting time, a, a, an unexpected uh, yeah. acquisition for the Giants, but I think one that a, a lot of fans are happy with. And if he stays healthy and he can be the player that he was a couple of years ago when he had two or back to back 1,100 yard seasons, uh, the Giants got a steal. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Giant fans should be excited, man. He's a, he's a hell of a player, a uh, hell of a dude. So definitely enjoy uh, covering him and enjoying seeing what he could do on the field. All right. Well, thank you, Q. Giant fans, don't go anywhere. When we come back, I'm going to answer a couple of your questions. So we'll be right back after this. Hey, Giant fans, General Manager Joe Shane has some tough decisions to make in the coming weeks regarding the rest of free agency and the draft as he looks to build a dynasty. And speaking of building a dynasty, if you think you have what it takes to give the NFL GMs a run for their money, then you got to try Ultimate Football GM. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory trying to build a historic dynasty. This game is so much fun, and best of all, you can play it offline and complete and compete with your friends for bragging rights. The only thing more real than the game is actually sitting in a GM's chair yourself, and that's how much control you actually get with this game. I'm thinking we're talking uniforms, medical decisions, coaches, you name it. Every single aspect of this team that you are building, you are in control of. So you have to check this game out. 
And by the way, did I mention that Ultimate Football GM is completely free to play and that Locked On Giants listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On? That's right. Look it up in the game store, sign up and use that promo code for 100% free boost. You can go and find it in the app store. You can also find it at ultimate-gm.com. Don't forget that code is locked on in all caps for your free boost. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trainum. And in this segment, I'm going to answer a couple of listener submitted questions, which I'm trying to do each show. Sometimes, you know, there's just a lot to talk about. We don't get to them, but that doesn't mean I don't see your questions. That doesn't mean I don't want to get to them. I do want to get to them. We don't have enough just yet for to do a full mailbag show, but um, I will do what I can with the questions that I receive. So let's get into it. I've got this first question here from Elo H via Twitter, who, who asked, why is the offensive line been such a problem? And uh, he, he mentions that it, the problems go back, or I should say, she mentions that the problems go back to Reese with flowers, et cetera. Why is it still a weak spot? Elo, I think the problem with offensive line, I mean, I, I could go back and kind of give you my take on, the problems, you know, under the Reese era and maybe the Gettleman era, you know, I, I would say maybe there was a focus more on athletes than there were on football players. But with Shane, I don't know that I would say that it's been as big of a problem. Now, I know you're probably saying, well, what about Evan Neal? He's a rookie. He also had an injury. So I'm not ready to say that he's a problem and that I'm concerned about him moving forward, knowing, you know, that he was a rookie, that his technique might have been compromised a little bit by that injury that he had. Um, I think he's going to be a good one. The interior of the offensive line, I think what happened there is you had injuries and you need depth. So, I mean, how many different left guards did they have? I want to say they had, um, I want to say at least four, if I remember correctly. They had four different left guards. I think they had two centers at one point maybe three offensive line, you need continuity. And moreover, you need guys who, if there is an injury can step in without missing a beat. And the giants just didn't have that, you know, the, the injuries depleted their depth and um, you know, you can't have 20 offensive linemen on your team, but you want to make sure you have guys on the practice squad that if you have to bring them up, they're ready to step in. And I just got the impression that maybe that wasn't the case with some of the guys. So I feel confident moving forward that the offensive line will get better. Um, I'm hoping the Giants draft a center, uh, a legitimate center for the long term. So we'll see if they do that. And, uh, you know, just keep the faith. An offensive line can take easily a couple of years to really build up into a solid unit. But I do think Joe Shane has a plan. And uh, it's headed in the right direction. So I'm not ready to, to abandon ship on that just yet. So thanks for the question. All right. This next question came to me via my Instagram account at Patty Traina, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A. Please give me a follow, by the way. I'm posting video clips, um, info cards, all kinds of cool stuff. Plus, I every, every once in a while, I do a Q&A on my Instagram account. So again, that's at Patty, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A 
on Instagram. All right. So this question comes from Jaden, who wants to know, has there been any information on what the Giants plan to do for the new turf? Great question, Jaden. I don't know if a decision has been made yet as to which turf they're going to use, but that will be something, obviously, I want to ask, I guess, once we get back into the building. Um, my guess, though, for a timeline regarding the turf is if they're going to replace it, I would think they would probably want to replace it after all the concerts are done at MetLife Stadium in the summer. I mean, I can't see putting down a new turf and, you know, then having, you know, the concerts in, in MetLife and having that turf broken in. I mean, if you're the Giants, I would think you and the Jets, who also have a say in this, you probably want to, you know, wait till all the concerts are done. And I think the concerts wrap up, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of August, which means they might have to play the preseason games with that turf in there. And uh, I think it takes about a week to transfer the turf. Now, if I remember though correctly, the last time they replaced the turf was back in 2019. And I want to say they did it in the spring. So is it possible that they do it then? Sure. I mean, that way it could give it time to settle in and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I don't have a, a definite answer for you, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But uh, when we do get back into the building or maybe, you know, I'll, I'll put an email and see if I can find out if a decision was made on that. And uh, if I find something out, I'll pass it along to you if somebody's willing to confirm it for me. But uh, yeah, that's a really good question. And, and certainly one I'm sure that a lot of people are curious to find out given how bad that turf has been um, for the players. So thank you for that question. That was a different question and a, and a good one. So I appreciate that. And um Okay, let me just make sure I don't have any other questions that came in before I say goodbye to y'all. Um, I think that's it. Yep, that is it. Those are all the questions for this time. So again, if you want to get a question into me, you could tweet it to me at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. You want to shoot it over to me on my Instagram account at Patty Traina, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A. You can also send it to, to me via email. The email address is in the show notes. That's Locked on Giants Podcast at gmail.com. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked on Giants Podcast, making us your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And also a big thank you to everybody. We are now at over 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. And I'm just absolutely humbled by the number of you who write in um, to, to compliment me on the show, the content. You're my inspiration, folks. I do it for you. I try to get you the best possible content I can. And we even have some fans from other teams to check out the Lock on Giants podcast on a regular basis. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Giant fans, we will see you tomorrow. Until then, have a great one.